Good morning, everyone. Those of you who are joining us on Facebook or on YouTube, we want to thank you for joining us th today. We, we just want to give God praise and glory and honor for all that he's done for us this week. And we do want to share from his word. Uh, before we get to the word of God, uh, we do want to just share a little bit more information. You heard from the announcements that we will be opening in church worship beginning next Sunday. Beginning next Sunday, we will be back in church. And on behalf of our uh, Reedy Branch Baptist Church um, COVID-19 crisis management team, I just want to share some things that that might help you in making your decision whether you want to come or may give you a few instructions for when you do get here. Now, throughout this pandemic, we have used the expertise, knowledge, and learnings that have been uh, presented to us. We put together a committee, and this committee has researched. They have um, met and they've discussed and they've prayed and they've sought God for instruction and they've presented their recommendations to the leadership of the church, to the deacons as well as myself. And, and this committee has uh, been very diligent. Whether you realize it or not, we have been for some time now sanitizing our church or disinfecting our church once a week. And with, with us opening up our worship service, we will be disinfecting our church at least twice a week now. Uh, we're using a chemical that upon 45 seconds of contact, it kills uh, this COVID virus. And so it's very safe for us. It's nothing that you will inhale, ingest, or anything such as that, but something that will help protect the surfaces of our church, um, as well as give you peace of mind that, that we have been working on this. With part of the plan to reopen, we've come up with some changes to how we're typically going to do Sunday morning. Uh, when the time comes, we're not expecting you to attend if you're not comfortable. As a matter of fact, if you, we are asking that if you are sick or if you've been in contact with anyone with COVID-19 in the past 14 days, we're asking that you do not attend. If you are currently on quarantine by a medical professional, we're asking that you do not attend. If you have the following flu-like symptoms, fever or chills, cold, shortness of breath, Difficulty breathing, fatigue, muscle or body aches, headache, sore throat, congestion or runny nose, nausea or vomiting, a new loss of taste or smell, we're asking that you do not attend. If you've traveled outside of North Carolina to a city that is considered to be a hotspot for COVID-19 infections in the past 14 days, we ask that you do not attend. This is for your safety and for the safety of others. Now understand this, that if you come, you are coming on your own volition. You're coming by your own choice because we are not mandating, nor are we uh, keeping role. 
We are just providing an opportunity for those who feel safe and feel comfortable coming. Uh, so with this in mind, uh, you will notice that there will be posted on the doors a statement that reads, I acknowledge the contagious nature of COVID-19 and voluntarily assume the risk that I may be exposed to or infected by COVID-19 by attending the Reedy Branch Baptist Church and that such exposure or infection may re result in personal injury, illness, permanent disability, or even death. I understand that the risk of becoming exposed to or infected by COVID-19 at Reedy Branch Baptist Church may result from the actions, omissions, or negligence of myself and others, including but not limited to the Reedy Branch Baptist Church members and their families. I voluntarily agree to assume all of the foregoing risk and accept sole responsibility for for including, but not limited to, personal injury, disability, and death, illness, damage, loss, uh, claim, liability, or expense of any kind that I may experience. On my behalf, I hereby release and covenant not to sue, discharge, or hold harmless Reedy Branch Baptist Church members, calls, uh, members and their families of and from the claims, including all liabilities, claims, actions, damages, costs, or expenses of any kind arising out of or relating thereto. I understand and agree that this release may include claims based on the actions, omissions, or negligence of the Reedy Branch Baptist Church family, whether a COVID-19 infection occurs before, during, before, during, or after participating at Reedy Branch Baptist Church. So once you see this on the door, when you walk through the doors, you are agreeing with these statements. So let me walk you through just quickly uh, our current plan of action. When you arrive, you are telling the church that you have agreed to the waiver and you're answering no to COVID-19 questions that I, that will be discussed, that have been discussed earlier. A table with a medical team member and COVID-19 committee member will greet you. The church is asking that you please have a mask on before reaching the table. If you do not have a mask, we will provide one for you. There is not, these masks are not to be taken off until you leave the church. The doors of the Family Life Center and the classroom building will be open at 9.30 a.m. and locked at 10.30 a.m. The only entrance entrances used will be under the Family Life Center shelter and, uh, and at the educational wing shelter. All other doors will be locked. Upon entry, your temperature will be checked by someone of our medical team. If you have a temperature of 99.5 or higher, we're asking you not to attend the live service and suggest you get tested as soon as possible. We will also have color bands for you to choose to wear for that day. A yellow band is telling others that you're okay with them talking, but not touching. A, a red band is telling others hi, but please keep your distance. 
Once entering the church and the sanctuary, there will be a table at each side of the offer, uh, for offering collection, and you will be escorted to the next available seat or pew on the side of the entry. We are filling the church as best we can from front to back. So please do not get upset if you do not get your typical seat or pew. We would like family members to come in together and sit together if you've been around each other during the pandemic. And the Family Life Center will also be an option for parents who have younger kids to allow a little bit more movement. After service, we want to exit back to front. So please do not stop in the hallways. Instead, let's keep the flow of traffic moving. With all this being said, we're planning on opening next Sunday, September 27th at 9.30 for service starting at 10 a.m. Please be patient with the changes as this is new for all of us. We are open to suggestions and implementing other procedures. And you can feel free to share with a member of our COVID-19 crisis team, Ms. Melissa Hammonds, Ms. Lindsay uh, Henderson, Brother Michael che uh, Sanderson, Brother Brian Gist, Brother Larry Freeman, or you could contact myself. Thank you for your time in listening to these instructions. Again, we, we take this extremely serious, and we pray that if you plan to come, that you plan to follow all the precautions that we give. Well, Reedy Branch, uh, again, we are glad that you've tuned in with us. You've tuned in with us so that you could hear the word of God. And we hope you've enjoyed the singing to this point. And we, we want to turn our attention now to the book of Acts, chapter 9. We're going to look in verses 20 through 25. Verses 20 through 25 in the book of Acts in chapter 9. And for... I thought, as you're turning there, we want to focus our attention on Saul's start in ministry. Saul's start in ministry. Now, in today's message, we will attempt to show how Saul's ministry began. In whatever ministry God has you in, how, how did it begin for you? Do you know the ministry that God has you in? Are you doing anything at all for the kingdom of God? If you are, then God has you in an area of ministry. If you're not doing anything for the kingdom of God, you should know that God is calling you into an area of ministry that would glorify him. And magnify his son. Maybe you haven't heard him calling. Maybe you're a young convert. And you desire first to be discipled. Uh, maybe you have doubts. Or you're afraid of failing. Or maybe you just don't know where to start. Well today I want to encourage you that. To just trust and obey the Lord. Whatever it is he's calling you to do, he is preparing you for that task. So if you will just trust him and obey him, he will carry you through. 
when we look at the Apostle Paul, we can know that this man who is credited for writing over half of the New Testament writings, this man who is considered to be the, the greatest evangelist and church planner of the church age, this, his ministry did not start off with a bang, and neither should you or I expect our ministries to also. With every accomplishment, Saul, he faced uh, discouragement. He faced struggles. And if we will be faithful, and we'll start by trusting and following Christ and the leadership of the Holy Spirit, we can know that he will bless the ministry, but it will... But if we start or if we fail to start due to fear, we can't expect to see all the blessings that God has prepared for us. So when we look here in this passage, we begin to see these things taking place. In verses 20 through 25, the Bible says immediately, immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues and he was is the son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, is this not he who destroyed those who called on the name, on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priest? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Now after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by, by night and laid him down through the wall in a large basket. This is God's holy word. Pray with us. God, as we come before you today, God, we can't preach this message without you. So, God, we pray that you will move in the midst of everything that's said and done. And God, will give you glory for it all. Now, God, speak to the hearts of those who don't know you through your son, Jesus Christ. And let them see that this is a day that you're calling them in service to you. And we'll praise you for everything that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Now, last week, as we looked at Paul's or Saul's conversion, we left him following Jesus' instructions. He was taken to a city where he waited three days without sight, without food, without drink. Now, there in the city, there was a certain disciple named Ananias, who the Lord told, Arise. And go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. Now, while Ananias had his concerns due to Saul's reputation, the Lord assured him that Saul was a chosen vessel. And he was chosen for the purpose of bearing the Lord's name to, the, to Gentiles, to kings, and to the children of Israel. And though the Lord would, would show him many things, Saul would indeed suffer for his name's sake. So Ananias faithfully 
He went to where Saul was staying and he laid hands upon him and Saul immediately regained his sight. He was baptized and he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he ate and he was strengthened. Now, once we see that he had ate and he was strengthened, he spent time with the disciples there in Damascus. And what the Bible says here is that immediately he began to preach. So Saul began to preach. After being strengthened, after spending days with these disciples, he immediately began to preach. Now we know Saul had no training in the gospel at this point. As a matter of fact, all he had done was persecute those who was preaching the gospel. And here you may be wondering, well, what could he have been preaching after only being saved these few days? Here, here Saul's just a few days into his conversion and now he's preaching. What could he have been preaching? Well, if we really understand what scripture is telling us, we will see that Saul was keeping it very simple. What he preached was that Jesus is the Christ. At his conversion, Saul had a real and a genuine experience with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, in verse 5, Saul asked, who, who is it that was speaking to him? Well, the Lord identifies himself as Jesus. So Saul began now to preach what he knew. He preached that Jesus is the Christ. He was no longer preaching religion. He wasn't preaching tradition. He wasn't preaching ceremonies or rituals. He preached Jesus is the Christ. Saul wasn't preaching about himself. He wasn't preaching his philosophy. He wasn't preaching his beliefs. He preached Jesus is the Christ and he is the son of God. Paul told the believers in Corinth in chapter 2 in, verse, in his first letter, in 1 Corinthians, he's told them, I, and I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So preached Jesus Jesus is the Christ and he is the son of God. Can I give a little bit of encouragement right here? Some preachers may take this advice and use it. Others, they may take it for being no more than a grain of salt. And if you do, well, that's okay. I, that's fine with me. But I want to encourage preachers to just preach Jesus and the fact that he is God's son. Leave doctrine up to the pastors of the churches that you're invited in. Don't preach about yourself or your thoughts. Preach Jesus and that he is God's son. If you'll preach the love, the grace, the mercy, and the forgiveness of Jesus, if you'll preach his death, burial, resurrection, and return, you'll have enough to preach that last you more than a lifetime of ministry. Oh, and pastors, when we're invited to other churches, we become evangelists to those churches. And we're not to try to fix any church that we are not part of, that we are not members of. It's not our job to try to fix another church. We are to preach the love, the grace, the mercy, and forgiveness of Jesus. We are to preach his, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his return. And that will be more 
than enough. Here, Saul must have realized this. He didn't have anything. He didn't know anything other than the one who had saved him was Jesus Christ. And he was and he is and will always be the son of God. He preached this with such conviction and zeal that all who heard him were amazed. They were expecting an enraged Saul. They were expecting someone, this man to come and storm their homes and storm their, their meeting places and arrest everyone who called on the name of Jesus. They were expecting to be forced back to Jerusalem in chains and bonds. But what they got instead was an opportunity to witness just how an encounter with Jesus Christ can radically change the hardest of hearts. The more Saul proclaimed Jesus, the more he increased in strength, the more he confounded the Jews. And while proving that Jesus was indeed the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the son of God. Folks, the passion that Saul preached with was evident each time he shared what had happened to him on that Damascus road. That passion was convincing to his leader, listeners. And it convinced they were convinced that Saul believed this encounter was real and many were convinced not only that Saul's encounter was real, but they were convinced that Jesus is the son of God and their lives were changed as well. Folks, if we recall in chapter 18 of the book of Acts, we read about another who didn't know a lot about the Lord. He only knew about the baptism of John. Luke wrote of Apollos. He said he was an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord and was fervent in the spirit. He spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord. Saul preached with this same passion that Apollos preached with. And so can anyone who's had a transforming encounter with Jesus Christ. When our lives have been changed by the saving power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we can accurately, boldly, and fervently share what took place in our lives. It's not hard to accurately, boldly, and fervently share that we were convicted and we were that we were lost and on our way to a, to a demon's hell when the Holy Spirit convicted and, and convinced us of this, uh, that, that we called out to, to Jesus and he forgave us of our sins and, and he saved us, giving us eternal life. It's not hard to preach this with passion. It's not hard to preach this with accuracy, with boldness, and with fervency. And the more we tell this story, the more that those who knew us before our conversion will know, in fact, that Jesus must be Lord because of the change that is made in our lives. And all of us who have this same or similar story we can preach this story with passion. We can declare this truth accurately, boldly, and fervently. And when we do, we will be strengthened. Listen, we got two new converts to our church. Miss Andrea Chavis and, and Brother Nick Chavis. And I, I want to share with them to accurately, boldly, and fervently share your story with others. Because those who knew you before, God transformed your life before Jesus Christ came in and made a difference in your life. Those that knew you before may just come to understand that Jesus is real. Because only a real risen Savior who's alive 
can change a heart the way that he changes ours. Oh, he changes our walk. He changes our talk. And the more you talk about Jesus, the more people will be convinced that you're in love with him because he first loved you. And the more you talk about Jesus, the stronger you will become in your faith. Oh, yes. Paul immediately began to preach. And if you're born again, immediately. If your name's been written in the Lamb's Book of Life, immediately. If you know that you know that you know that you've been born again, then immediately we should be telling somebody our story. And when we think about how this is going for Saul, it seems that things are going very well. It appears that, man, he's only been saved a few days and he's already preaching. Man, he's the man. But things aren't always what we think they are. Because as Saul began to preach, there became a plot against him. If Saul was anything, he was faithful. Before his conversion, he was zealous and faithful to Judaism. After his conversion, he was faithful to the gospel no matter the cost. It appears that Saul, while in Damascus, continually preached the gospel. However, it also seems that while he was there, before we get to verse 23, that Saul realized that he needed to spend time with the Lord. He needed, he real, it seems he realized that he needed to be able to preach the whole counsel of God's word. And the only way we can do that is to spend time in God's word and spend time with God. So Saul left and went to Arabia and he spent three years there learning from the Lord. Now, most seminaries or, or divinity schools will, will share that this was Saul's seminary experience. Three years is what it normally takes for someone full time to get a master of divinity degree. And many will say that that was Saul's seminary experience. He went and he spent time with God and God helped him understand the truth of scriptures. We have to remember Saul was a scholar of the Old Testament but what he was a scholar of was the law and he saw the law whenever he read the scriptures but God was about to do something different in his life God was about to take what he knew and show him the grace and the mercy and the love and the forgiveness of God he was about to show him on every page of the law we could see Jesus so in those three years Saul spent alone with the Lord. As a matter of fact, Galatians 1, 15 through 17 says this, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Three years 
he spent in Arabia. And then he returned to Damascus. And when he returned to Damascus, apparently he picked up where he left off preaching Christ and proving that Jesus was the Messiah, the Savior promised by God. Now, because of his preaching, the Jews plotted to kill him. And we see this here in verses 23 through 25. The Jews convinced the authorities that Saul was a fanatic or what many of you would remember being called back in the 50s and 60s and 70s as holy rollers. They considered him to be a threat to the peace of the city. So they plotted to kill him, but... When the plot to kill him was discovered by the disciples of Jesus Christ, they helped him escape by putting him in a basket and lowering him down by the wall that surrounded the city. Do you see here? Here Saul had been preaching and he's met with opposition. They're not only wanting to get rid of him out of the town, but they want to kill him. But he was remaining faithful. He wasn't allowing this to stop him from sharing the word of God. So he, so when the disciples heard it, they lured him down, got him out of the city so that he could go share the gospel in other areas. Here, John Wesley once said, give me a hundred men who love nothing but God and hate nothing but sin. And I'll shake the whole world for Christ. It doesn't take many, but it takes someone who decides to be faithful. That these disciples were faithful, along with Saul being faithful to God. As a matter of fact, in Joshua chapter 2, we find a faithful harlot, Rahab. She decided she was going to be faithful. And she decided, as she decided this, uh, when Joshua sent two spies to Jericho to secretly spy out the land, she committed to hide them and help them escape the king and his, his forces by letting them down by a rope from her window. Joshua 2 and 15, the Bible says, then she let them down by a rope through the window for her house was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall. This act of faithfulness was rewarded um, by her life and her family's lives being spared when Israel attacked Jericho. Joshua in 6, 24 and 25, he says, but they burned the city and all that was in it with fire. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasure of the house of the Lord. And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. It, she was risking her life, but she still was faithful. Here Saul is risking his life, but he's remaining faithful. These other disciples are risking their life, but they're remaining faithful. Being faithful to the Lord and to his word, it will cost us. We will face opposition in ways that we cannot fight on our own. But no matter the opposition, we must remain faithful. It's through our faithfulness that people will hear and abundantly see the truth of the gospel. We can know that whatever we face, God will always make a way of escape for us. If we remain faithful. He will either deliver us from the difficulty or he'll carry us through the difficulty. And folks, if our faithfulness causes our lives here on earth, he will even carry us through death into his wonderful 
presence. But we must be faithful. Folks, listen, this coming week, we're going to attempt to be faithful to the word of God by allowing those who have the prayer and meditation. And I pray that every one of you this week will pray and meditate that you will seek God's face about your decision of whether you're going to come here next Sunday. I don't want you to come on a whim. I want you to know that God has spoken to your heart and told you to come if you show up. If you feel comfortable to assemble together in worship. And listen, I understand. I support those of you who don't feel comfortable. I support you not coming yet. And I'd rather you continue to watch the service on Facebook or YouTube. If you have any reservations whatsoever. But folks, we need to be faithful to the scriptures. Hebrews 10 and 25 tells us that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. That why, that's why we want to make, take this step for those who decide you are ready to attend an in-church worship. Folks, we've got to start somewhere. We've got to allow people who are ready for this to be faithful. However, however. The scriptures also tell us, and we must be faithful to the scriptures. They also tell us in Romans 13 and 1 that we are to let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Folks, we must take this truth for what it is. It's truth. If we're going to assemble together... We must take all the precautions necessary to prevent anyone from getting sick. And as we attempt to have this indoor service next week, Lord willing, if you plan to come, plan to follow all the precautions that this COVID-19 crisis management team has put together. We, the leadership of the church, the deacons and myself, we have agreed that we will open our church up for in-service worship under the condition that these precautions that were presented to us for in-service worship will be followed. Those who plan to come, let's be faithful. Church, let's continue to be faithful in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ whenever the Lord provides an opportunity for us to share the gospel. If you who have yet to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. If you have yet to make him Lord and Savior. Are you ready to trust him by faith? And allow him to radically transform your life? Are you ready? Are you ready to desire a faithful walk in service to him? Folks, if you're ready, but you're afraid that you won't be faithful, you won't be on your own. The only way you can be is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you must put your trust in him and he will help you every step of the way. And he will also put people in your path to encourage you, to encourage you along the way. So my question to you today, 
Are you ready? Are you willing today to trust Jesus and let him lead you into ministry that will glorify God, that will magnify Christ? Are you ready for him to radically change your life? So that your life will be in service to him. Oh, if you are, today would be a wonderful day. While they come to sing the song of invitation. God, we ask that today, if you're ready. That you begin by seeking God's face. You know, there's no formula. There's no set formula to receiving Jesus Christ. Other than you must Acknowledge that you are lost and that you are in need of a Savior. You must acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. You must acknowledge and believe that He came born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. And for that, He died for the sin of the world. He died for you. They buried him. But on the third day, he arose under his own power, conquering death, hell, and the grave to give you life if you would trust in him. Would you today? Would you trust in him? Would you ask him to forgive you of your sins? And accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you do, his Holy Spirit will immediately come. Take residence in your life. Where he will always be with you. Never to leave you. Never to forsake you. He will lead you. He will guide you. He will order your path. And when the going gets tough, he'll carry you through whatever obstacle you're facing. Would you today? Oh, you can leave here today immediately sharing Jesus with someone. And I assure you, the more you share Jesus, the stronger you'll get. But the more opposition you'll face. But Jesus will prove himself time and time again. To stand with you. Stand for you. And stand before you. Oh, if you're ready today to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Would you ask him into your life? Would you ask him to forgive you of your sins? Would you talk with him? And let him guide you. As they sing this song of invitation. If you decide to give your life to Jesus. How about letting us know. Through the comments. Through inboxing or Facebook. By sending a message on Messenger. By by declaring it on YouTube in the comment section. Or even by calling the church. Or if you have my number. Call me and we'll celebrate with you.
Let someone know. Declare to someone. Jesus. He is the Christ. He is the son of God. God we thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you for the love that you've shown to us. And we pray God that you would just move and minister in hearts who are listening right now. As this song is saying God we pray that you would. That you would convict hearts. And God, that there'd be those, there'd be some God who recognizes that they're lost and in need of a savior. And if they're ever going to have peace in this world, it'll come through your son, Jesus Christ. Oh God, move upon them and we'll praise you for all that's accomplished. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would just move upon those who are believers today. And that God, you would... Pour your spirit upon them in a way to where they'll begin or they'll continue to forever proclaim the name of Jesus. That he is Lord. He is the Christ. He is your only begotten son. Oh God, we praise you for what you're going to do right now. We're trusting you with everything. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. And may God bless each one of you.